The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, a poppychularadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, February 16th, 2023, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's The Flash. Please welcome my co-host, Dimitri Wijasinger. What's good, Central City? And Jeffrey Hey, Central Aris. City, pull out those umbrellas. It's going to be a stormy night. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 9, Episode 2, which was titled Hear No Evil and aired February 15, 2023. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Barry feels guilty for what happened to Caitlin, and Mark comes up with a plan which makes everyone skeptical. Meanwhile, Red Death looms in Central City and commands that failure is not an option. Joe asks Cecile to make a choice, which leads Cecile to think about the greater good. Allegra and Chester take a step in a new direction. Lastly, old friends play an unexpected visit to Star Labs. Well, we can't complain about short synopses in this, the final season. Good God. Uh, One final note, this episode was directed by the showrunner, Eric Wallace. So let's see what Eric Wallace did with the work his writers gave him. The episode opens with Barry and the rest of the team asking who that strange visitor we met the last last episode was. Mark shows up to help with the introductions, and she introduces herself as Snow. Mark explains that Snow came out of the CRC instead of Caitlin or Frost. She is a blank slate with no memories. Mark also reveals that Caitlin is dead, but he has a plan to bring her back. Mark wants Team Flash to provide a stable energy source to reverse the process that created Snow to bring Caitlin back. At least that's what he says. Barry agrees, and they get to work. Uh, Dimitri, you're not a fan of Mark. I've never been a fan of Mark, and it seems pretty obvious that Mark is not to be trusted. So what did you think about the opening scene and the resolution to who this new blue highlighted version of Daniel Panabaker really is? Um, this is a categorically terrible storyline. Um, it, it seems a really, um, awkward point to introduce a new character. Um, and I think it's, it's pretty clear that that was the direction they were going with this. And, um, you know, we, I am not a Frost, um, fan, but Frost has fans, uh, for some reason. By now, Caitlin has fans. Um, you know, you had two characters that have an established following that you could have chosen from, and instead you're introducing a new one and wiping the slate clean for those two. It just, it seems an odd choice, uh, to me. Um, and, uh, the whole sort of shady, like, uh, well, I'm, I'm secretly trying to bring them both back, but... I'm only going to tell them I'm bringing one back it seemed unnecessary. Like if, if you had said like, Oh, I'm going to bring them both back. Was anybody on team flash going to be like, no, we, we agree. They should both stay dead. Like 
it's really only later on in the episode that that possibility gets explored, which I'm sure we'll get to. But in the beginning, it just it seemed like this was one a, a forced conflict moment that you know we've had a few of those on this show. But it seemed like there was no need for a conflict to be here. Chester tries to talk to Allegra about their kiss from last week. Joe and Cecile try to process the loss of Caitlin uh, and also talk about Joe wanting the family to move away from Central City, something Cecile is struggling with. I said last week that Joe's decision seemed out of character, and we do get some explanation. He's concerned for Cecile's safety. But Jeff, he's apparently okay with his daughter and son-in-law risking their lives on a weekly basis. Uh, Did his explanation ring true to you? No. This is a writer's thing where they're writing a reason, maybe, potentially, sort of, kinda, as to why we're not going to see Papa Joe as much. He's filming a pilot. I understand. Um, Although, like, I just read recently that it was picked up, so that means that they just filmed the pilot, which means that he was readily available to film a lot more. Maybe that's why we're seeing him a little bit more than I thought we were going to see him. Like, I didn't think we were going to see him in every episode. It's only two episodes in, but still. Um, but yeah, like it was, it was very strange. Although I will say this props to the editors, the cinematographer or whomever it was in charge, the, um, the, the effects of like staring out the window at the rain and like, you know, the, you know, the, the, the faces changing in the windows that was really beautifully done. I just wasn't really buying this whole Joe Cecile situation. And then the usage of like the flashbacks to just the previous episode in kind of like, I think it was in black and white to like give dramatic effect to what had happened. They were going a little too artsy fartsy for me. It was like enough with like the, um, the rain on the, the window and like the, the faces changing. I thought that was really good. I didn't need the, um, the flashbacks to something that we literally just learned at the tail end of the episode. Uh, last week Um, when i was watching that sequence mm -hmm. i was thinking well we're going to get a cutaway to sad lynn with a bottle of wine now. oh yes well we do love sad lynn um shout out to black lightning uh really quick because you mentioned chester and allegra and this is i think the only bit of anything about their ship that was dealt with in this episode what the hell people you guys have 13 episodes in this season and you are still dragging this shit out like i get it y'all have to deal with caitlin being dead i have a whole bunch of opinions about that once we get to the club scene later on professor just uh, to let you know um but okay so you want to put a pin in it but you've been putting a pin in it for like the past 25 seasons and now you guys kiss i actually was kind of excited for the kiss but i don't understand the writers of the show like they think they must think that like chester and allegra are fan favorites so much so that the dragging of this out is like exciting the fans i mean i do enjoy chester and i've grown to enjoy allegra but i'm at the point to where they need to like say what they are and say how they feel um, clearly, they're going to be a couple by the end of uh, the series' run, but speed this shit up. Like, they are. The ship has hit an iceberg and it is about to sink. Meanwhile, at Hartley Rathaway's Krakoa, Krakatoa Club, Hartley goes to leave, but he's attacked by a new fiddler in the parking lot. He fights with her and manages to get away, but she does some serious damage before he flees, and then the fiddler leaves as well. 
Uh, Dimitri, what did you think of the new rogue that's joining us this week, this uh, this fiddler? Uh, I feel that unless you're Natasha Leone, any curly redhead is automatically coded evil. And how did you feel about bringing Hartley back? We've seen different versions of Hartley. Uh, last, I remember him. I didn't remember him being quite such a jerk. I thought that after they went through one of Barry's sequences that, uh, you know, Hartley was a, a friendly member of the team. But uh, apparently I was wrong because he's kind of a jerk. Shouldn't she be on the roof? But I'm bummed. Yeah, the temptation to have a shot of her on the roof just as an establishing shot must have been very hard. To right. And then she jumps down. <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh, man. Um, I jogged my memory about Hartley because it was. He used to work episode. at Star Labs. Uh, he was a villain in the beginning, but then one of uh, Barry's going back in time turned him into a friend and ally of the team, but then Barry went back in time yet again, and when we saw him another time, he was antagonistical to the team, but then, like the professor, I felt like by the end of that episode, he had no longer been antagonistical to the team. I'm very confused, and uh, people over at The Flash, this would have been the perfect episode to have done a previously on that included uh, Hartley. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I I kept thinking, like, who are you again? Like, it... I was racking my brains while watching the episode, but, uh, I mean, I thought... There did seem to be some genuine chemistry uh, between uh, him and his love interest, uh, which kind of fueled uh, a little bit of, you know, uh, sympathy, like audience sympathy as we're going into this episode. The Fiddler, I mean, especially by the end of the episode when you realize she can, like, sing and create the same effect, uh, which... um, Kind of makes me think of... Is it Black Canary who can yes. do that? Yeah. Um, they both kind of uh, turn into Black Canaries. Yeah, it, it it just, like... the Having the fiddle is just so... Like, it's a very contrived thing to do. Um, especially... Like, I would like at least, like, some reason why she has a fiddle to begin with. Like, oh, this, like... Juilliard educated violin prodigy who was in like a tragic experiment or something uh like otherwise it just seems so like this is like a Power Rangers villain or something like uh it seems so unnecessary um and there's just something so what's the opposite of menacing about seeing someone try to like menacingly play a violin note like it just I could not take her seriously. Um, so, yeah, I this might be a, a villain that's lifted from the comics. Um, but, you know, they don't always translate well one-to-one. I mean, there's a reason Aquaman looks like Jason Momoa and not like comic book Aquaman. Like, uh, I think some more adjusting was required here to have this villain seem remotely believable. The Fiddler is a classic rogue, except that uh, it's a magic violin that causes people to dance uncontrollably. It doesn't, you know, fire bursts of energy at people. But 
even for the Flash, that would have seemed a little silly. Oh, that uh, would have been spectacular because it would have been like insane. Doing a jig or river yes. dancing or something like that. Um, at Star Labs, Snow enters the CRC, but when they fire things up, it quickly begins to go wrong. What a surprise. Barry gets Snow out, and Snow says that Mark didn't tell her that it would hurt, just that it would bring them back, meaning it would bring both Caitlin and Frost back. Barry wants to know why Mark lied. Mark says it's because he can't trust them and says he will never give up on Frost. Let's talk a bit about Mark. Jeff, I'm going to turn this over to you this time. He seems to think Team Flash is a reality TV show because he's really not there to make friends. So what did you think of their portrayal of Mark, particularly given that we know uh, that uh, he's a series regular and he's even in the opening montage as a member of Team Flash? I love how you know the rules of reality television, but yet you don't watch any of it. You, 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 you pick these things up purely by osmosis. I've never seen Avatar, but I know it's about blue aliens. Okay, good. Well, blue cat aliens. Blue cat aliens that do weird stuff with their tails. Yes, and it's basically gone, not Gone with the Wind. It dances with wolves in space. Yeah, which is well, also basically... Oh, uh, well, I mean, it's all the same shit. Um, okay, basically a white savior, but anyway. So... Here's the thing. I did not like I did not dislike Mark as much as both of you disliked him in the past, but I did not like him in this episode. It, it, I don't, I just don't really understand what the writers are trying to do with him. Like I listen, I get it. He was in love with Frost. Let's say it's the love of his life. So he's doing anything and everything to bring the love of his life back. Unfortunately, we've seen this shit over and over again with Barry. And uh, maybe I just don't really care or am that invested in the chill Blaine Frost romantic ship that I, I just, she's dead. Um, the fact that Caitlin is dead and nobody seems to care, it, for me, is the bigger red flag of this episode. So chill Blaine wanting to bring his bride back. Um, I mean, it was a storyline. But, you know, I, I just, I didn't really feel for him um, as much. And he hasn't been sort of like a main member in Team Flash in a moment. So he doesn't really understand, not, not in a moment, he's only been there for a moment. So he doesn't really understand the dynamic and that sort of thing. Um, that whole cutaway earlier in the episode where he was like, oh, you did a good job. Oh, do you think they bought it? Like, clearly there was a nefarious plan. Um, my hope is that he is sort of, like, down for the heroing cause by the end of the season. If not, I really just don't understand why he's um, a series regular. Outside of the fact that I, I do remember reading articles in which the showrunner and other people, like, really, like, loved working with him. I just don't know if I really care for this storyline um so uh you know jeff you were mentioning the the scene with uh the, the brief cutaway where mark is saying to snow uh you know uh we got away with it uh, i actually thought in that moment what if that's actually caitlin and she's just like put blue highlights in her hair and she's lying to the team in order to gain access to the, tech I, allow her I to get the same thing oh uh, you thought they were gonna I was like... actually kind of surprised when it turned mm -hmm. out that snow was as dim and clueless as she actually turned out to be. You thought it was Caitlyn Breaking Bad. Pretty much, yeah. That would have been an uh, interesting storyline. Uh, 
I think that would have been quite interesting, a bit out of character for Caitlin. But, you know, in terms well, you were just saying, you know, with Mark, you know, the the lengths he will go to 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 rescue his love and would Barry do anything less for for Iris. So I think they were trying to play that out, but it just yeah didn't come across as as uh, uh, as something I particularly bought. Um, but anyway, uh, Hartley arrives at the med bay injured from his fight and confirms that the fiddler who attacked him is not the fiddler they've met in the past. This one is new. Uh, this new fiddler goes to see the mysterious red death who tells her she's failed and tells her that failing is not an option. If she fails again, she will die. Jeff, what did you think of the new fiddler? Did knowing red death is forcing her to do this allow you to overlook the curly red hair and the evil that implies? No. Okay. So, I get it. We had the whole event, and so there are remixed former foes. I've got to say, I'm almost kind of, like, exhausted by that. Like, you know, I mean, there has to be a rogue that we've never met before on this series over the course of nine seasons that they could use. Like, the remixing of them, while cute and clever immediately after um, the Crisis event... Um, I'm kind of exhausted by it because then we have to remember, oh, there was another one. And like, when did we meet the other one? Because I'll be honest, I don't remember when we met the original Fiddler. So, yeah, me neither. Yeah, so I don't know if that was maybe sort of like the um, one of those stories that happens when, you know, the season ends, mid-season that we didn't get a chance to see. So, but why would you do that if there isn't a callback to something that we actually have seen? Um, so my assumption is that maybe we did see another fiddler we just can't remember because that fiddler was not very memorable much like this fiddler because we really don't know anything about this character outside the fact that she is working with red death and let's be real we're not supposed to know the name red death because red death has not announced themselves as red death correct true Okay. Well, I mean, spoilers and. Well, there was that scene and last stuff. episode where Red Death showed up and gave someone their card, and <laughs> yes. focus on the card for a second and said Red Death. Oh, Red Death. Yes, yeah. that's a good name. But uh, yeah, so clearly Red Death somehow is collecting rogues to do Red Death's nefarious scheme. Um, I'll be honest. I'm much more interested in how the hell Red Death is making these people, Boomerang and Fiddler, uh, new Boomerang, new Fiddler, uh, like, do their bidding. Like, what does Red Death have on them outside of I'm going to kill you? Um, you know, in my you know? experience, that's mm-hmm. enough. Oh, okay. Well, you know, that is true. Uh, and you would know. Uh, but, yeah, like, for From me... both sides. Yeah, like, I, I don't know if we're going to get, like, a Red Death episode. Probably not, because there's only 13 episodes. We can't even mourn Caitlyn. But... Like, like, I think a Red Death episode would be interesting to find out, you know, the machinations of, like, what the hell Red Death is is about and doing and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I'm sort of digressing. Uh, Basically, I'm saying the Fiddler um, is a Fiddler. Uh, I have no idea what the hell her power source is outside of sound waves uh, that she can create doing anything. And she can also teleport. Which, you know, is wonderful. But I kind of feel like that's a Red Death situation. I feel like the Red Death had gave Boomerang and uh, um, Fiddler teleportation things. Because, yeah, that just doesn't seem like in their power set. And when they teleport, they teleport Red. Um, yeah, and I was just uh, checking. Uh, Fiddler's powers also include accounting skills. Oh, nice. That does help. It's tech season. Well, 
fiddling the books. Uh, anyway, yes. Barry goes to speak with Mark at the bar. He tells Mark that he understands why he did what he did, but he's also part of Team Flash, and they have his back. Barry tells Mark, no more going rogue. Little joke there. Uh, and if Mark lets them in, they can work together and do the impossible. Dimitri, it seemed to me Barry was welcoming Mark in pretty quickly. Mark was never part of Team Flash last season. He was just Frost's boyfriend, uh, the, 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 the ne'er-do-well boyfriend that, uh, you know, uh, was bringing out all of her bad instincts. Uh, were you surprised by how Barry considered him part of the team? It seemed, uh, I mean, I know Barry trusts everyone implicitly, but making him part of Team Flash that quickly seemed insane to me. I'm being, you know, it's on brand for a guy who removes his mask in front of villains every third episode. I, it, it felt, I think calling him a member of Team Flash seemed a bit of a stretch, but it all seemed a way to get to the, you know, we will sort of take this journey with you, which felt so strongly the direction that the episode was going from early on that I didn't dwell on it too much, to be honest. Um, it does seem like, you know, Barry's kind of quickly welcoming him into the fold, uh, which doesn't really feel earned and doesn't feel genuine. Um, but I think it's sort of, it was sort of all just the writers trying to get us to this moment of team flash is going to be bought into this, you know, trying to get Caitlin and frost back experiment plan. I'm not sure what to call it. Well, we have to uh, remember okay. he was a part of taking down the big bad like last season, I mean, last season feels like 10,000 years ago, but he was like welcomed into the team. Like, remember, he was welcomed into the team, but then he kind of walked away because he didn't feel like he was a hero. But then he ended up uh, fighting alongside the team. And that's when they kind of welcomed him into the fold. So I think what Barry was doing was more so for us to remember that, oh, yeah, Mark is sort of like officially unofficially kind of sort of a part of team flash. Uh, we get a bit of character development or maybe not development, but exposition for snow uh, as she finds Hartley. He's frustrated and trying to work on his sonic gauntlet and is quite curt with her. Snow in return is very empathetic and asks him what's wrong. This innocent empathetic snow is pretty much what we'll get all episode. Uh, I already asked Dimitri, uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts on snow? She was cute. She was innocent. She was, uh, as I... Annoying? No, I didn't find her annoying. I found her cute and adorable and innocent. Like, you know, I always say the precious cinnamon roll that we all must protect. That's what she was kind of giving in this episode. Like, I, you know, yeah, but I was like, what are we going to do with her? Um, she can't do shit. Like, she's not a doctor. She's not a scientist. Um, she cannot shoot ice out of her hands. I will say this, and it, it didn't hit me the first scene, or maybe even the second, but about halfway through the episode, I was like, she's controlling the weather. And later on, I feel like I, I got confirmation that she's controlling the weather. Um, so, you know, maybe she's a meteorologist. I don't fucking know. But she's the new Al Roker. But, um... I, I found her adorable. Uh, she's very innocent, so we're going to get, like, the whole, 
you know how like when there's like an alien on the show and they don't understand you human ways like that's kind of like what we're going to get with her except she's a human allegedly so i don't fully mind it she is she's like adorable she's kind of like what i imagine zoe deschanel is um, I've never seen the new girl because I feel like she's kind of annoying. But um, shout out to the Zoe Deschanel fans. But I feel like, you know, because Zoe Deschanel, I believe she calls herself adorkable and she's very proud of it. I found um, Snow kind of adorkable. And so it was a slightly different iteration of the character that Danielle Panabaker was playing. And I was like, okay, you're doing something different, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm here for it, but I'm okay with it. Um, yeah, I, I disagree. I just found her, <laughs> her pretty consistently annoying. Uh, but I do like the catch on the uh, the weather. Uh, I miss that, but I think you're right. Looking back at it, that that's probably going to be what her power is, because it seems like at this point she's doing it unconsciously that the the weather is just mimicking her uh, uh, her her mood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we saw it raining and then, you know, we, you know, the reference to it stopped raining. And, and when you think about it, why would you be able to hear it raining when you're in the heart of Star Labs? I realize the place has been banged up pretty badly, but I would hope the roof is a little thicker than that. Um, and then, you know, in the final scene with uh, with Barry and Iris, when, uh, you know, snow is happy, uh, presumably then it's nice and bright and sunny. So I think you're on to something there. Thank you. Um, I hadn't even considered that possibility, but I agree. I think, yeah, that because she asked, they don't allow any character to be useless on this show. Um, well, not officially, uh, but <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, it does seem like you know, if she's here to stay, she's going to have a power, and that could very well be it. Uh, Snow and Cecile meet. Snow says that she wishes she knew what her purpose was. Cecile says she can't read her feelings. Uh, Then Snow says she doesn't want to go back inside the CRC, and she's afraid. Ultimately, this sets up the team's decision to go against Mark's wishes to bring Frost back uh, and against the option of bringing Caitlin back as well, instead allowing Snow to find her own path. Uh, Dimitri, what did you think about the decision and the team's debate? I mean, ultimately, this was their only choice. Like, you, you can't take Snow, who is a sentient, albeit annoying figure, shove her in a box (laughs) and hope that two different people pop out of it, or maybe just one different person pops out of it. Um, That is murder by any stretch of the imagination. So I was surprised they were having this discussion while Snow was there in the room with them as if she was a thing, not a person. Well, she was down for the cause in the beginning. I mean, you know, she had, she was, uh, she gave consent in the beginning, she just changed her mind. But I, I've, the way that you described it, Professor, is hilarious. Because it is true. I mean, they were willing to kill her. But they don't know her, so they have no emotional attachment to Snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to kill yeah. the people I don't have I mean, an emotional attachment to. For sure. <laughs> like, there, there, were, uh, there were times that I thought, you know, maybe uh, somebody should have that kind of treatment for Frost. You know, like, especially when she's first introduced... Uh, the episode where she dies and uh, and all the ones in between. But um, I I do think that it's good that they at least, even though it's kind of late in the episode, acknowledge that, you know, this is a sentient being. We can't, like, murder her. Um, I mean, it's kind of a weird area in that, you know, we seem to oscillate between, like, sort of a Moon Knight scenario and, uh, you know... I guess a firestorm scenario where these 
it, it seems like the series never fully decided whether these were multiple personalities or like completely separate beings. I do take and, offense like, that you're comparing the Flash to Moon Knight. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not in terms of quality, oh, okay, um, but like in terms of like, are these, you know, would you consider it like uh, murder if like you know? Um, Mark Spector decided Stephen Grant could never show up again. Like, would that like would that be murder? Probably not. But like, you know, if one of the firestorms completely took out the other firestorm, that might be murder because they're two completely different people. Like, it's it's weird. I, I'm gonna acknowledge that it's weird, but it did also seem like this character, um, bit of a space cadet though she is, you know, it. It was weird that they were like, "Oh well, which uh, what what are we gonna do with her body?" Um, I, I mean, I was pretty shocked that not everybody voted for Caitlyn, given they knew Caitlyn so much longer, and you know, for a good portion of the time they knew Frost, she was trying to kill them. Uh, but you know, um, I, I think I've given up on the on the show trying to make any sort of sense of that. This all just seems so unnecessary, though. Like, it seems so late in the game for us to have a new character. Like, Caitlyn has been unlucky in love since we met her. Like, let her come back and find a, a nice, steady dude. Like, just, oh, but I'll take anything. Let let Frost go live with Chillblade. Like, how are we supposed to, like, navigate in what is now 11 episodes left, right? We're supposed to navigate this, like, summer child um, as she, like, comprehends the world with all these other characters whose storylines we have to juggle, including, as Jeff mentioned, Allegra and Chester, even though there's no reason this isn't wrapped up. The Fiddler attacks Hartley's club again, and Hartley has to go deal with it. Uh, at the club, he finds the new Fiddler is attacking his partner, Roderick, and she seems to kill him. The Flash shows up before Hartley can kill Fiddler in return and reveals that Roderick and the others are just trapped in a vibrational phase. Hartley uses his gauntlets to get them all out. However, Captain Boomerang teleports in and rescues Fiddler and also takes Hartley's gauntlets. The team determines the identity of the new Fiddler, but they're confused as to what Fiddler and Boomerang are up to. The episode uh, ends at the mystery Red Death lair with Fiddler and Boomerang putting Hartley's gauntlets to use, letting Red Death, who we now know as Red Death, even if not by name, race out through the city to stand on a rooftop and declare that Central City will pay for whatever it is the Flash has done. Uh, Dimitri, we talked about this last week. This is our first real look at Red Death. And I said last week, I would have appreciated it so much if we didn't have the spoilers. Like, it would have been so cool if we had, if I had seen Red Death for the first time and seen the Bat insignia and been wondering, oh my god, what is this? Who is this? Instead of knowing that it's Red Death, it's, you know, from a Flashpoint thing, it's going to be Javicia Leslie coming back. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on Red Death, what we've seen of Red Death so far? And, uh, and, and what do you think about the fact that uh, Javicia is coming back? Javicia is coming back? The one Oops, person that didn't that know the you. spoilers. Oh, my God. There will be a component of this season that doesn't completely suck. Oh, I can't believe I'm I so spoiled happy. that. I assume that was uh, that was common knowledge. There were many articles about it, Dimitri. Where the hell have you been? Oh my so, god! I just realized but, we also spoiled the fact that Barry Allen is the Flash. Oh geez, sorry, Dimitri. 
Oh, I was thinking, you know, Batwoman wants her logo back, but um, I I did not realize there was a connection. I had heard that some people from other shows were maybe going to come up on this season of The Flash, but I hadn't heard anything definitive. Um, so, I mean, that makes me happy. Um, and now the logo ripoff seems like less of a ripoff. Red Death... Um, I mean, I do think there is something to be said for, like, the, you know, um, the scariest villain is the one you can't see. Um, So, you know, I do think they had used that to the max in terms of Red Death being, you know, so vibrate-y. I wish he didn't look so much like, you know, Angry Thawne. Um, with the red eyes. Well, technically uh, just... she. Although, um, I will say, I hadn't heard her voice in Red Death until that final scene, when uh, Red Death is overlooking Central City. I was like, oh, that's Javicia Leslie. Oh, I still didn't think it was her voice fully, but, because uh, I was thinking it's just like, it's obvious they, they like brought her in for like one or two episodes later on, and it's just, you know, CG figures up until now, or stunt people in the costume. I'm genuinely sorry that was spoiled like that would have been a good reveal i know it Uh. would have been so awesome but yeah nothing is hidden anymore um before we get to the club scene i did have one question i wanted to ask dimitri that uh that occurred to me so by the end of the episode we know that snow uh with her new name we'll talk about in a second is going to be sticking around she's not going to go into the crc we're not going to be getting frost back we're not going to be getting caitlin back dimitri one last time will you finally accept that kate co is not a thing she's gone that's the best I, question you've ever asked, Professor. Or were you holding out uh, for uh, you do, know that, that that big surprise in episode thirteen? Cisco do comes back and crossed that <laughs> Cisco will make an appearance this season. Um, I would imagine uh, his girlfriend will come as well. Uh, but if she doesn't, I see no reason why Keiko can't happen. Finally, Team Flash goes to Hartley's club to dance. While Barry seems to be having a great time busting out his dad dance moves, Snow, now known officially as Keon, Keon, whatever, uh, and Cecile managed to get Joe to dance while Chester and Allegra, who still haven't talked about their kiss, decide to go Lady Gaga and just dance. Now, personally, I really like this scene. Um, I, I, I just, you know, Team Flash is dealing with so much on a regular basis that it's just really nice to see them having a moment where they can enjoy themselves. But I was expecting a baddie to burst in the door like the Kool-Aid man uh, at any moment. Frankly, you know, I I was so worried I couldn't enjoy it so much. Um, I also really enjoyed the fact that they brought in some extra dance scenes for the closing credits. Uh, More of Team Flash having fun, please. Jeff, what did you think of the scene in the club? Okay, the scene at the club in general was fun. Shout out to the Kygo remix. Uh, Kygo has been doing fantastic work remixing the classics. So that was fantastic. I actually did not think Barry couldn't dance. Like he, for a Caucasian man, he actually had a little bit more rhythm than the average Caucasian. So uh, like I didn't understand why Iris was like, like throwing like a massive amount of shade at him. Um, But here's my thing. So as a scene, it was cute. They saved Hartley. Everything's fantastic. But Caitlin is dead. And they're out at the club dancing. 
like it you know we had a tiny moment earlier in the episode when it was raining it's pouring we were all sad and they were like oh caitlin but caitlin's dead but like no one really mourned her and we had an entire fucking episode where central city mourned killer frost aka frost and we've known caitlin for nine years and nobody not even a toast here's a toast to caitlin the best there ever was, or, you know, the only doctor we know, so who's going to stitch us up in the future when we get hurt? Like, nothing like that. And that was incredibly disappointing. And I did read an interview, I believe it was with Eric Wallace, but it could have been with Danielle Panabaker, where that was discussed about, you know, the time for mourning and this, that, or the other. And basically what was said was if we were originally, like, the 20 episodes that we thought we were going to get, we could have had spent time on that. But because we're now 13 episodes, we can't really do this out of the other. If you have enough time to introduce a brand new character and to give us more Mark, you could have had at least a scene in which they say something nice about Caitlyn. It was just, it just seemed so strange. Like, was she just a co-worker to you guys? Um, and, and I know the actor's still there. Danielle is playing a, a different character. So it's not like we lost, like, let's say when Cisco left. And so we, you know, there was like the sadness about Cisco leaving. So I don't know, that just bothered me. I don't know if it bothered either of you. But um, also, I also want to say, because we sort of glanced over it, and I feel like you did it on purpose, Professor, because A, you don't like Keown. And and B, we, we've kind of been harping about this episode, but I actually did like the scene in which, well, now she's Keown, Keown and Hartley um, talked, because that inspired him to sort of be and choose, like, the person he wants to be, and that allowed him to not kill the Fiddler, although not killing the Fiddler means that he lost his gauntlet things, but then at the end of the day, he didn't really need the gauntlets if all he needed to do was scream like the Black Canary, so there's that. I don't really understand his power sets. Um, And one thing I do want to lament is just the fact that we don't really remember this character is... I, I blame that on the writers for not bringing some of these rogues back a little bit sooner. There was a moment... Uh, throughout the series' run when we did have, like, recurring rogues, but that kind of fizzled when they really just went full-bore focus on the big bad of either the entire season or the graphic novel, as the showrunner likes to call it. And when you focus so much on the big bad, you don't get a chance to really get to know a true rogues gallery. And, And that's To me, it's sort of like the shoulda, coulda, woulda disappointments of the Flash's run. Because we could have had some really good rogues that we would have known throughout this entire series' nine-season run. And unfortunately, we are like struggling to remember, was Hartley on good terms, on bad terms? Was it a flash sequence or a Christ sequence or this, that, or the other? What, what's going on with him? And, and um, yeah, so it's just a little bit of like a lamentation of the situation of how they're dealing with the rogues. Well, I, I think you raise a good point about, uh, you know, insufficient time to, uh, to deal with uh, uh, the loss of, uh, uh, of Caitlin. Uh, you know, because I was just thinking about it in terms of showtime, because, you know, uh, last week's episode was all on the Wednesday and they got through the Wednesday. So it was Thursday, which means Barry would have discovered snow on Thursday. OK, so it's basically Thursday, Friday to do all of this episode. 
And then they were talking about going into the weekend. So like all of this has happened in the span of two days. And you're right. It's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of shocking uh, how little regard uh, the loss of someone they've worked with and, and has ostensibly been a friend, uh, a member of Team Flash for so long. Um, you know, like they would have to contact, you know, Caitlin's mom and say, hey, Caitlin died. Uh, you know, contact uh, Cisco and let him know, hey, Caitlin died. Uh, you know, so I think you're right that uh, that was glossed over. It didn't strike me in the moment watching it, but thinking back on it now, yeah, Caitlin deserved a little better. Exactly. And um, I don't feel like she really ever got a full character arc on this series, which is disappointing. Like, I don't know if she's going to somehow pop back at the end or if she'll maybe what they'll do by the end of this storyline is kind of like how Frost was a voice inside of Caitlyn's head. Maybe Caitlyn will be a voice inside of Keon's head. I don't know. Um, I don't know where the storyline's going. I don't, there is a Keon in the comics, but I have no idea how she relates to Frost or, or anything in the comics. But my whole thing is it's disappointing because as a character, we've all been rooting for Caitlyn to find happiness and to find a purpose. And in this episode, they're just sort of like writing it off like, well, this was Caitlyn's choice. And she went in there with her consent. And so this is what she wanted and this out of the other. And that's like the way they're kind of glossing over her death. And I feel like there needs to be a little bit more respect on this character that's been there since day one's name. Because, unfortunately, I mean, I don't think we're now going to get any sort of satisfactory arc for Caitlyn. Like, if we don't see her ever again, if it's just Keown, poor Caitlyn really never had a decent story arc throughout nine seasons. And also arguing that this was Caitlyn's wish. Caitlyn's wish was not to be turned into some you know, adorable woman child. Her yes. goal was to bring Frost back. Uh, so, I mean, the experiment failed. So, I mean, you know, uh, you know, saying this was her, this was what she wanted is, is totally specious. What she wanted was to survive with her sister True. or to bring her sister back. She got neither. Uh, before we move on to the MVP section, was there anything else anyone wanted to mention? An Easter egg, a great moment, a moment of cringe you'd like to shout out? No, I completely agree with you guys. I think, you know, it's it's a real shame that, you know, they gloss over this character who has been with us since the beginning. A lot of the characters that are heralded as part of Team Flash now are relatively new. Caitlin is literally episode one. Um, and I do think it's a shame that, you know, a lot of her storylines thus far have just been falling for the wrong guy. And I think it's a little bit of a missed opportunity to not you know, bring her to a, a more satisfying conclusion. But I think you're missing the, the key point here, which is that Caitlin never had powers, therefore she doesn't matter. So let's bring in someone played by the same actor who does have powers and therefore uh, is more fun to write. Um, it's time for the MVP section. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character's been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely as if the fate of the multiverse rested on your frail shoulders. Jeff, who is your MVP and why? Okay, as much as I've sort of talked a whole bunch of mess about this episode, which it deserved because it, you know, last week was immensely better than than this, because uh, this is almost like a fuck you to both of you because you hated her. 
but I'm gonna give it to Keon. I, I listen. I did not dislike well, the her. multiverse. Just ended. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, tragic that this is the way it went. Yes, I didn't dislike her as much as both of you did. I I enjoyed what Danielle Panabaker brought with the character. She is cutesy. She's innocent. She's learning the world because she's a blank slate. Um, she also brings a fresh perspective, which you know we do tend to like when they bring in new characters into an established team. She's played by a familiar face, so um, it doesn't necessarily seem truly like a new character, but she's playing a fresh character, a blank slate. And I thought Danielle Panabaker did a good job of handling it. Like, you know, I, I know she got an immense amount of hate, or not Danielle Panabaker, but Keon got a, an immense amount of hate on this podcast. But, um... When y'all, in a couple of weeks, come over to my side and be like, I was there in the beginning. I'm, I am a Keown fan, even though it's an incredibly strange name, and I wish she would have stayed with Snow. The professor and I are quitting the podcast. Jeff can <laughs> yeah, it's, the it's a shame. Only 11 episodes on left. And, uh, yeah, we can't do it. Uh, Dimitri, who is your MVP? Who is your correct choice for MVP and why? She's not a human mm-hmm. trafficker. No, that we know no, of. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean, she has a lot to learn about the world. Who knows how she's going to end <laughs> she's up. She's got a lot to learn uh, about the human trafficking. I mean, uh, last time Caitlin went through a transformation. Um, let's see. I think I'm going to give it to Iris West Allen. Um, I really liked the tension that was played in the, uh, in the uh, sort of um, navigating of this episode, um, and uh, and I think uh, the sort of conflictedness that uh, that she brought into uh, into this episode, I thought um, provided a decent undercurrent for the team. Uh, also, she slayed her her outfit at the club later, um, but I also uh, I, I'm choosing her. I think partially by default. Because I feel like a lot of characters did things that are unsettlingly out of character. From Joe, you know, wanting to leave Central City, um, to whatever the fuck Keon is, to, um, you know, uh, so many of the rest of the team being like, fuck Caitlyn, let's just bring back Frost. Uh, this, I found this episode really jarring. Um and Iris was one of the few characters where I was like, okay, Iris is largely being like Iris, even though I didn't really understand her choosing Frost either. Um, I know she kind of explained it, but it didn't really resonate with me. Um, but but this whole episode, I felt like undercut a lot of what makes you know Team Flash and the the Flash show like such a quote unquote family show. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and uh, and that's part of the reason why I'm finding it kind of difficult to to choose an MVP because, as you said, so many of the characters that I would normally turn to were acting in ways that I would consider out of character, and the ones that did act in character, Mark, you know, I didn't like that character. So even though he sort of played it, you know, pretty consistently, and I understand his motivations, you know, I I just you know uh, found him you know kind of annoying and 
and uh, you know, and again, willing to sacrifice Snow on something that might or might not work to to bring his girlfriend back. Um, so I'm going to go with my uh, my reliable standby, which is of course. Danny Nicolette as uh, Cecile Horton. Uh, you know, Cecile did not have a lot to do, but I like the fact that we got a little bit more information out from Joe and Cecile standing up for the idea that, you know, but, you know, the greater good is to stay. And, and I think that is going to, you know, create some tension, but I think it is something that, you know, you can't just turn your back uh, on that, you know, the idea of, you know, with great power, there must also be great responsibility. But the real reason I'm giving it to her is, is not the club's dancing scene, although she was great in that. Uh, it was the scene where... Uh, Snow, who was still Snow at the time, uh, has just been told by Barry uh, that, uh, hey, we're not going to kill you. Uh, and she reacts by hugging everyone. And when she turns and Cecile goes, it's my turn. Uh, it was just really, really cute. And I thought that was very much, uh, you know, something, that, you know, it may have been written in the script, but the way that uh, Danny Nicolette did it was uh, was just adorable and cute. And uh, and I'm glad, you know, I, I did check and, you know, Cecile is in the opening uh, credits uh, as a as an end member of the team. So even if Joe goes, Cecile is going to stay. And uh, uh, okay, can I also of, say, oh. like that sequence in which uh, Snow Keown hugs her, it's another reminder that uh, Danielle Nicolette is a, a very petite woman. Oh, I've been noticing, I, I really noticed in this episode, because the first time we see her, she's with Jesse L. Martin, who's a tall guy. But then when we see her standing next to Daniel Pennebaker, who I'm guessing is not six feet tall, she still seemed quite small. And then we see her standing next to to Barry and Iris. And again, you're, you're just struck by the fact that, you know, and, and part I think it, it says something to the way Danny Nicolette plays the character, that she plays her as as a big, strong, confident character most of the time. It's always surprising, I think, therefore, that when we see her as, you know, uh, as a tiny person, she she plays her as as a much bigger character, if that makes any sense. It's like, you know. Uh, you know, finding out that, you know, uh, you know, a singer who is like really, you know, confident striding around the stage is actually quite tiny. Or as I just found out this week, that Joseph Stalin was only five foot four. Stalin played much taller. Um, 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 Danny Nicolette, we, we're not trying to draw too many parallels between you and Stalin, but um, Stalin is technically taller than Danny Nicolette and Danny Nicolette, to the best of my knowledge, did not kill 20 million of her own citizens. But I have not been following her on Insta, so. How would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten lightning bolts before I get sued uh, for suggesting uh, genocide on the part of uh, one of my favorite TV actors? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a ten, you may archive the episode in the Flash Museum. Dimitri, you innocent naif, how would you rate this episode? I'm going to give it a five. I'm tempted to go low because I feel like so many people did things that are very out of character to just sort of move a plot along. But I also, like, I watched this episode from beginning to end without ever thinking, like, oh, my God, when is this going to end? Or, like, you know, this is, like, unbearably cringe to watch or anything. Um, So while I disagree with the direction the plot is going, we did get there, and we got there decently well. Um, So I... uh, I, I'll i give them points for that. I really hope they bring sort of uh, Red Death in a little sooner because I think the uh, the sort of navigating some of these subplots is much more played out than the writers seem to think it is. I like Allegra. I like Chester, but they need to just get together. Like, I'm all out of fucks to give at this point. Um, they need to smash. I don't care about watching, you know, uh, 
Caillou, not Fiona. <laughs> not Caillou. Um, Fre- Freudian slip. <laughs> That's um, the little white boy uh, with the hair, with the bald head. The world. Uh, like, I don't care. Um, so, you know, I really hope the main storyline is good. The Flash has fallen off for a while now, and it does seem like this season is not going to be, you know, uh, a home run. But, you know, they have kept the show going for nine seasons. That does count for something. I really hope that they can land this plane successfully. Um, but they're going to have to do better than this episode to do that. Jeff, unlike Dimitri, you assumingly see this uh, episode through the unspoiled eyes of an innocent child. What rating do you give it? Kind of. not. Well, I guess an innocent child like Caillou. Um, That's Jeff- what I was saying. <laughs> Kion. You, now you're calling what he called it. Caillou. No, but it, it's just... Caillou was that uh, bald-headed Canadian The bald-headed uh, kid, kid, yeah. He was apparently very a bad child. I've never seen the Caillou, but there's like threads from parents that say the Caillou uh, badly influences their children. Um, I was shocked. I I like watched that show a little bit as a kid, and I never really thought it encouraged that much bad behavior. Apparently. But apparently, parents were like celebrating when it was canceled. Yeah, so that's where you learned everything, and and that's why you're the brown bald beauty. Oh my God! You never realized what an influence Caillou had on you. Yes, uh, might have been a little bit more genetics, unless there's uh, uh, untold uh, shared lineage between me and Caillou. But uh, you never you know. know. We'll get you a twenty-three and me. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Dimitri's Canadian Mori, after all. Sit down and have a chat. Yes. Okay. Uh, I've been sort of delaying the inevitable. Um, all right. This was not a good episode. Like, as much as I, I've, I've tried to pull up threads that I enjoyed in this episode, shout out to Keon and, and, and Cecile Horton, a DA Cecile Horton, and, and that sort of thing. Well, former DA Cecile Horton, metahuman attorney, uh, uh, Cecile Horton. Because um, she's not married to Joe, right? So she's not a West. She's not Horton West. They're grown people. They don't need to get married. Anyway. I thought they had gotten married. I don't think they're married. My God, they're living in sin. They are living in sin. I'm going to stop watching this show. It's, uh, uh, right. it's yeah. as bad as Caillou for promoting the wrong That's world. why it's getting canceled, because the next star people are very conservative. But anyway, moving on from the CW. Oh, they're fine with the incest between uh, Barry and Iris, but they have a problem <laughs> well, with uh, you know yeah. two people in their 50s uh, living in, you know, uh, out of wedlock. Well, there's that. Um, I'm going to give it a six. It was okay. It's not a repeatable, rewatchable episode. Uh, I enjoyed the important storyline points that we got, but as a whole, a lot of it was disappointing. The major bit of disappointment for me is, like, I was never, like, a huge Caitlin fan, but I appreciated the character, and for it being the final season, and for them unceremoniously killing her off, like not even honoring her, shedding a tear, you know, doing a toast in her honor, um, hanging up her uh, stethoscope in the Hall of Heroes or something. Like it just, it was really disappointing for me. Um, Yeah. Uh, Also, Mark being very... Emo was a lot. And also, I, I won't spoil this for either of you if you didn't see the promo, but the fact that they spoiled 
a huge bunch of exposition-y information about certain machinations and that sort of thing in the promo for the next episode, a.k.a. information that we did not get in this episode. Um, uh, that was really disappointing as well. I'm like, why the fuck would you cut that promo in that way? Giving us... Anyway, I won't even say anything else because I don't want to ruin it for either of you. But listeners, if you know what I'm talking about, you should be hella pissed too. Uh, I'm going to split the difference um, and give it uh, a 5.5. Uh, I agree. It's I, I can't imagine myself wanting to watch this episode again. Uh, and honestly, as we discussed it, I found myself liking it even less. Uh, and a lot of that's on you, Jeff, because I hadn't even thought about the fact that, you know, how they did uh, Caitlin uh, so wrong in this episode. You're so welcome. Thank you for spoiling the episode for me. <laughs> yes. Um, so before we get on to uh, to our sign off, I'd just like to do something that uh, Team Flash didn't have the guts to do. Let's have a moment of silence uh, to acknowledge the uh, eight years that Caitlin Snow gave us. Join us next time for a brand new installment of the Central City Citizen. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish listeners a good night, starting out with Dimitri. Good night, Central City. And Jeff. Good night, Central City. Rest in peace, Caitlin Snow. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the Central City Citizen via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. New episodes release every Friday, and you can also download the entire series by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Good night.